Pentecostal Community Church. Woo. So that last guy up there talking is Emmy Vasquez, and he is amazing. And I think, I think we just might get to hear from Emmy during this Voices series. Hey, listen, I need y'all to do me a favor. Uh, today was um, my wife's first time doing the MC moment, and she just did amazing. Um, I figure if I can do about 50% as good as she did, we'll be in good shape. So thanks, honey. Um, before we get started today, I just want to make sure that um, I extend honor uh, to our leaders and that have just invested so much in Sherilyn and I. If you don't know uh, TJ and Shayla, I know TJ you know well, but Shayla is his wife and they're both incredible pastors, incredible leaders of our church. And again, they have just invested so much uh, in my family. So if y'all could just help me. So when TJ asked me to come here um, and come to Lighthouse Point, you know, I was in the business world. So this was kind of a big thing for me. I had pastored a couple times in the past with kids and uh, um, really, really loved the ministry. I just didn't see financially how to do it with seven kids. So I want to I wanna make sure that um, you know that it's been an incredible journey, that God is good, and I want to pay a little bit of honor and respect to my family. So I think I have a couple pictures for y'all. Um, this is my crew. I have seven kids. Um, the top left is our journey to Florida. So that was leaving Arkansas and heading to Florida. Um, Four boys, three girls. This is our launch date at Lighthouse Point. Y'all should cheer for that. It was a good one. <clears throat> that was an amazing, amazing, amazing time. And of course, when we got here, we had to do Disney, right? Once. Well, okay, maybe twice. I don't know. It was rough. And then masks came in. I was like, never again. Um, so I just, I just want to make sure that I extend a little bit of honor to them for what they've done. Ever since um, my kids can remember uh, we have made church not just a priority, but a part of our culture. Um, my two oldest kids, I'm going to stop saying um, by the way. My two oldest children, Isaiah and Caleb, are, it just applied for college at Highlands College. And uh, yeah. that's awesome, super good. I think it's super good. I mean, I just heard somebody tell me this morning, they leave for college and don't come back. And I'm like, just come get your cat, right? <laughs> you get your cat, we'll be all right. Um, but uh, they had to write out this essay, you know, about their journey with Christ. And both of them, without intervention from me, wrote out how they've been serving ever since they can remember. And uh, serving has just been something that we've never made them do. It's just, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. We've just always been a part of either planning churches, starting churches, growing churches, and put our kids available and made them available. And they all... They've just laid their lives down for the church. And I've got some pictures of them. I want you to know a little bit about them. So in the top left is Noah. He's like, I'm just going to call him Techies. I don't know what else to call him. Caleb plays the drums. Um, Caleb is the one who always wears the Bengals jersey. Whoa, 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 whoa. They haven't been to the Super Bowl in forever. I was so, I'm from Cincinnati originally, so you got to give me a little grace, right? Um, but Caleb plays the drums. Hannah works in kids, also does first impressions. Isaiah is like the guy back here, plays guitar, plays bass, does music. I, I don't, he does a bunch of music stuff. And uh, Jacob, another techie. Jacob keeps this all working. I don't know how. I like step back and go, I'm just glad it works. I mean, I'm, I'm good, you know, but there's so much stuff going on back there. Abigail just started singing for youth group. By the way, by the way, don't ask me any ages or birthdays, okay? There's too many of them. Um, the bottom right is Sarah, and she loves to serve on first impressions, and I can't wait 
to see what God does with her in her journey. She's, she was born in Texas, so extend a little grace there. Um, but she is, man, she's a handful, and she's awesome. She loves God, loves people. Um, people, are, people come up to me all the time, like, I just had like a full-on conversation with your 10-year-old. I mean, she's like, she'll talk your ear off, and you'd be like, man. So, but, but I'll tell you, for us, um, not just being a part of a church, but really committing to uh, the community of Christ is just, it's just instrumental. And it's changed our lives dramatically. I can tell you before Sherilyn and I had kids, we had a lot of rocky, rocky, rocky years. Um, we had a lot of financially rocky years. And until we started just really just investing in the kingdom with everything we have, um, we didn't find, we didn't, we just didn't find that peace. And so it's been amazing. So I appreciate all of them going on this journey with me because it has been a very, very long journey. So last year, 2021, um, Sherilyn and I got a word for the year. And I'll tell you the origin of the word a little bit, but it, it's one of those words where it's like, you think you got a word for a year? And all of a sudden you quickly realize you got a word for like a lifetime. You know what I mean? It's like, man, that word's never gonna go away. Um, and the word last year was intentional. Uh, we started uh, really, really digging into the Bible last year. I was like, man, I wanna understand more. You know, I talked to people that just like, man, scripture's just flowing off of them. I wanna be that way. So we really spent a lot of time last year trying to intentionally study scripture. So we decided to do the New Testament in a year. Have y'all done, y'all have the Bible app on your phones and stuff? So real easy, right? Do devotions on there, hop on there and start a plan. Um, so we did the New Testament in a year last year. And this year I got a little more courageous and I decided let's do the whole Bible in a year. So we're doing Mark Driscoll's Bible in a year, which again is amazing. Um, and, I, and part of my intentional effort in reading the Bible is not checking the list. So guys are really bad about this. Like if you gotta go grocery shopping, the guy wants a list. He's like, just tell me what, so I just need to check this thing off. Don't, don't say we're just gonna wander around aimlessly. We need to know where we're going and what we're doing. So I was super, super bad early on. I did my devotion, check, check, check. But did I really take time to understand what was in the scripture or what it meant to me? So this year I was reading in uh, Matthew about the Last Supper. So I'm gonna read from Matthew 26, 31. Uh, then Jesus told them, you know what? Can we pray real quick? Let's pray real quick before we do this. Lord, we just pray uh, that you'd use your word to speak to us. Father, I pray that I wouldn't get in the way and whatever it is that needs to be heard is heard and your word speaks clearly to us all, God. It's in your name we pray, amen. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I'll strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if I'll fall on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all of the other disciples said, me too. That's my favorite response there. They said the same thing, right? Hey, that's right. You know, we did it. Um, and I got to thinking about the Last Supper. There's a lot of stuff going on here, right? It's like Christ is talking about his death, his resurrection, the torture he's going to go through. Um, and then he talks about, there's this guy that's going to betray me. And the guy that, now remember, there's 12 of these guys around the table. And the guy that betrays me is going to like, he's going to dip bread the same time. So I could picture these two guys dipping bread, right? How did the other 11 not tackle him, right? Because they knew, right? Yeah. That's the guy, get him, you know? It's like, but it didn't happen that way. Um, and then he tells Peter he's going to deny him. This wasn't like Da Vinci's painting. Where's Da Vinci's painting at? I think it was a lot rougher than this. 
you know, I think there was a lot of reality happening here. This guy's going to betray you. I'm going to die. I'm going to be tortured. He's going to deny me. What do you mean he's going to deny you? That's, I mean, I can hear the back talk at the table. He's the rock. That's the guy that Christ said he's going to build. He's going to deny me? I mean, this is like National Lampoon's table, right? It's, this, isn't, this is not calm. It's, there's no way it was a calm event. The story gets me every time. I've seen it in a thousand movies. Everybody that does a movie, Peter's, you know, looking through the gate. No, I don't know the guy. Looking around the bush. No, no I don't know him. No, I don't know him. And then, you know, I, I, it just, it troubles me. He's probably my favorite disciple, right? Inner circle Peter, walked on water Peter. The first one to cry out when Christ said, who am I? He said, you are the son of God. You're, you're the man. This guy's gonna deny him? It just didn't click with me really well. I mean, he is the guy. And not only is he gonna deny him, he's gonna deny him three times. So I told you it's an intentional journey. So I said, hey, the beauty of the gospel is we have four accounts of this dinner. So I started reading some of the other accounts in the dinner and I landed in Luke. So I'm gonna read Luke's account, little different, but sheds a little bit more light on it. In Luke 22, 31, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you all as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you've known me. So Satan asks Jesus if he can sift Peter's wheat. And uh, so now you get to hear my understanding of sift. My grandmother was born in 1918. Her name was Garner Gray Emmert. They don't use names like Garner anymore, do they? But uh, Garner was the best chef in the world. This is, this is a sifter. And this is the type of sifter that my grandma used. I know they used to have hand crank ones, but she liked these because they were more automatic. So anytime I heard that sound coming out of the kitchen, man, something good was going to happen. I mean, we're talking lemon squares. We're talking Santa's whiskers, which is my favorite cookie. You can ask me about it later if you're curious. Homemade mac and cheese, city chicken, which I think is pork. I really don't remember. Um, but whatever it was, it was going to be good. And that, that was kind of my extent of sifting. By the way, did I say she was born before Betty Crocker? Three years before Betty Crocker she was born, so she knew how to cook. I think maybe she inspired Betty Crocker. I don't, I don't know, but, but it's possible, right? So, so sifting was kind of a new concept to me. It's like, what do you mean? What do you mean Peter wants to, Peter's going to get sifted? So um, we see other examples of sifting in the Bible. Um, in Amos 9.9, 9, uh, you know, the prophet, it says, I have given the command that I will shake Israel along with other nations as grain is shaken in a sieve, yet not one true kernel would be lost. So in the Old Testament and the New Testament, they actually used a sieve. It wasn't quite as complicated as that. It would be like, they say you would violently shake this thing. You know, I can just imagine getting sifted, what that would be like. In biblical times, wheat or other grain was sifted through a sieve or a large strainer. As it was shaken violently, the dirt and the other impurities that clung to the grain would um, come off during the threshing process. And this would separate the good, usable grain from the unusable parts. So I think it's important to note that the intent of sifting is not that anyone would be lost, but it's that everyone would be refined. So this is, a, this is a refining process in your life if you're getting sifted. So in your notes, I think I actually left this kind of a bunch of blank lines for you. And it, it, above it, it says, so how do we know when we're being sifted? Those lines are there intentionally because I'm, I'm not gonna tell you how to know if you're being sifted. I'm gonna tell you what sifting looks like. 
And I'm gonna give you guys an opportunity. You know, you can take that home and write things down because it may be something you wanna pray about. But sifting can look different for everybody. Maybe you, uh, usually it's things that specifically challenge your faith. Sifting is usually a faith-based challenge. Maybe you're confused about unanswered prayers. I remember TJ telling me the other day, actually it was in his message, he, uh, Pastor TJ has got some prayers that he's been praying for for years. And that, maybe that, that gets a little confusing for a believer. Why hasn't God answered this prayer? Is your faith life a struggle? You feel like giving up? Is it hard to make that time to spend with God? Does it seem like there's never ending hardship in your life? Do you feel torn apart by unwanted circumstances? Is sin defeating you? You feel like maybe sin's defeating you to the point where maybe God can't even forgive you. Maybe it's like, man, here we go again. Back to the computer, back to this temptation. And it's just over and over. And you're questioning not only your ability to defeat sin, but God's ability to forgive you. You might be getting sifted. You feel alone, forgotten, or rejected. You might be getting sifted. Sounds like you might be a redneck joke, but it's not. You might be getting sifted. Um, Here's what you need to know about getting sifted, though. Number one, getting sifted does not mean that you're out of God's will. It probably means the exact opposite. Probably means you're pursuing him, right? We can see in John 16, 33, Christ told us, I've told you these things so that in you, you may have peace. But in this world, what does it say? It's up there, right? You will have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart for I have overcome the world. The second thing you need to remember about sifting is we have an active enemy. The enemy of our souls wants to take not just your salvation, but he wants to take your witness. He wants to take your ability to represent him to other people. So sometimes when you falter and you sin, you worry about, oh man, I didn't want anybody to see that. Satan does. That's what he's trying to do. He wants to destroy you and your witness. You gotta remember John 10, 10 tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not hanging out in the corner. He's not like just waiting. He's actively looking for ways to come after us. So sifting is, a, is something that we're always gonna face as Christians. We have to allow the sifting process to refine us. So remember, the intention is that there would be transformation in our lives. The intention is, hey, that what's gonna come out of this testing that's gonna refine me so that I'm a better character, a more consistent character, and I represent the Christ that I love so much. So we're gonna keep following Peter, if that's okay. After the crucifixion, you know, I, I just can't, I can't imagine how Peter feels, right? Christ is like, you're gonna deny me. He's like, no, I'm not. And he turns around and he does it. He's probably carrying a little bit of guilt, shame, uh, afraid to, probably is not like, you would think he would wanna run and hide. But here's what I have to tell you. He didn't run and hide. He actually did just the opposite. In Luke 24, nine, it says, when they came back from the tomb, this is Mary, Mary, and Joanna. They told all these things to the 11. They're telling them about what they found at the tomb. It was Mary, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and the others went, um, and they told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women. They said their words seemed to be like nonsense. Peter, however, what did he do? He got up, and he ran. He ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So I think it's cool. There's a couple things here. So Peter is hurting. There's no doubt he's hurting. He's getting sifted. He failed. He denied Christ three times. Yet he still stayed in the presence of his apostles. He still stayed in his community. He didn't run and hide. 
And then when he heard that maybe Christ was back, Christ is risen, he knew he was going to rise. I mean, he knew he was going to rise from the grave, right? He told everybody. He runs to Christ. These are two very important things. One of the hardest things to do as a pastor is to work with people that are struggling. Um, you know, sometimes they're going through troubles because the instinct of most people is to run and hide. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to section off this part of my life. I'm not going to allow this to be exposed. I'm not going to hang out with my community. I don't want them to know what I did. I don't want to pray with anyone because then I'm, you know, I feel like I have to tell them things. Isolation is so, so tricky and it's so hurtful to you. I love what Stephen Furtick says. He says that the danger of isolation is much greater than the risk of intimacy. So I'm going to say that again for you. The danger of isolation is much greater than the risk of intimacy. For those of you that may not get to see Pastor Josh's message in Parkland, he actually gave a really cool acronym last night to help you know when you're facing temptation and the times to overcome. He used the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T, and H stood for hungry. When you're hungry, you're easily tempted. A stands for angry. When you're angry, you're easily tempted. When you're hangry, I guess you're in really bad shape, right? And the L, the L stood for loneliness. The L was loneliness. And um, if you don't, if you get yourself alone, it's gonna be troublesome for you. So it's important that when you're facing addiction, emotional pain, physical pain, temptation in the workplace, wanting to do the wrong thing, but you know you shouldn't, don't isolate yourself. Peter stayed surrounded by the disciples. He's probably still holding on to some pain from his denial. But if we read on in John, we can see that afterward, this is John 21, 1 to 3. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two other disciples were together. So again, he's in his community. I love this. Peter's like, I'm gonna go fish. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fantastic, right? I mean, he's with his community and all of his friends, what do they say? Have a good time? No, they say, we're coming with you. So your community is not, not just a community. You're, you're building this thing together where people wanna stay together and they wanna encourage you and lift you up, especially if they know you're hurting. And I'm sure Peter was hurting. I mean, how could he not be hurting from this? So they all go out and fish. And I, and I think it's humorous because Peter was called. He was told he was gonna be the rock of the church. He saw these great things. Christ said, you're gonna do these great things and even better. And yet he's still, he's still like not stepping back into his calling. So the way I write it like this is that your pain can either define you or it can refine you. So that's, my, that's, my, that's gonna be like my saying of the year, I think, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But your pain can either define you or it can refine you. So we just finished up the series, I Need a Miracle. And I don't know if you remember, about six weeks ago, we had um, Justin Brown and Nicole Aukoin on there talking about physical training and, and paying attention to what you're eating and just the physical health. And I was, I was a little bit convicted by that, which in a good, a good conviction, not a bad conviction. I'm like, I gotta do this. I've gotta, I've gotta fix some things in my life. And I have the opportunity of working with a friend that's spending some time teaching me. How many of you know that there's pain when you work out, right? Right, it hurts, right? I mean, I'm talking like get out of bed, not because you're old, it hurts. I'm talking about, oh, I didn't know I had a muscle there. I didn't know there was a muscle there. We spend a lot of time doing core. Um, and I think it's just, it's, You've got to take that pain and you've got to turn it, you've got to transform it into purpose. Yeah, 
We have to allow God to turn our pain into purpose. Um, and sometimes that's hard. You know why? Because that requires humility. You have to recognize your pain. You have to, literally, you have to cast this at the feet of Jesus. First Peter 5.8 says, cast all your cares on Christ for he cares for you. What most people don't know is first, actually that's first Peter 5, 7. First Peter 5, 8 says, because your devil, the devil walks around like a roaring lion looking for somebody. He's looking for somebody struggling. So it's super important that we humble ourselves and we take it back to God in prayer. We lay it at his feet. It's only through seeking him that the transformational power of Christ can truly refine you. All right, so we're gonna go back to Peter now. So he's out in the boat fishing. You guys know what happens next, right? This is one of my favorite stories. Jesus comes up, there's a fire on the beach. Peter sees him, they go, he jumps out of the boat. I gotta imagine he was stinking, right? I mean, he's like jumping in this water, swimming to shore. He runs to Jesus, I'm sure there's an embrace. And let's read what Jesus says to him. In John 21, 15, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I don't think it's coincidental. I think it's intentional that Jesus asked him three times. I think in Peter's mind, he's going, wow, I denied him three times. He's redeeming me three times. And in that redemption, he's not just helping him find his way through repentance. He's helping him recall his purpose. Feed my sheep. That redemption that Peter went through, guys, that's, that's the salvation that we lean on today. I mean, that is the message of the church today. He's recalling us back to our purpose. Everyone has a purpose in here. Peter took his pain and his shame, his unworthiness, and he changed it to purpose through the redemption of Christ. He restored his calling and his purpose. You know, Christ doesn't want us to walk through our trials alone. I love what it says in Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep you over. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. I think when we hide parts of our life or maybe we're running and we're isolating, it's real easy to forget who we are. You know, the Bible, the word, the word of God is the closest thing that some of us will ever have to an audible voice from God. So I wanna help you guys today. I'm gonna read a little bit of what the Bible says about you. And what I want you to do is just close your eyes, bow your heads and listen. These aren't my words. These are not my words. In Psalms, it says that you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. First Corinthians, it says you're not your own. You were bought for a price. God gave his only son for you. It's by grace that you're saved, you're redeemed, you're justified, you're free from condemnation. You're forgiven of all sins. You're reconciled unto God. You are loved. God has a plan for you. He's called you by name and you're his. 
You are called, justified, and glorified. You can do all things through him who gives you strength. He will never leave you or forsake you. You haven't been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, of love, and of a sound mind. If God is for you, who can be against you? No one can snatch you from his hand. You're the light of the world, Jesus says. He's given you the victory through him. You are a child of God. That's what he said about you. With uh, every head bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna ask you guys a quick question. Are you holding back? Is there something in your life that is holding you back from what he wants to do? Every single one of you have a calling, you have a purpose in your workplace, at home, volunteer world. Each of you has a purpose. Is there something in your life that you're holding back that's getting in the way of that purpose or that calling? I don't want you to leave here today carrying that. I don't want you to walk it alone. I wanna give you an opportunity to pray with me. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to pray with me about something in your life, a sin, a struggle, that's holding you back, I wanna pray with you. So if you'd raise your hands for me on the count of three. One, two, three. I see those hands, I see those hands. God wants to use you. He wants to do something amazing through you or created for a purpose. I wanna help you find that purpose today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that everything would be revealed in our life. God, that we would lay everything down for you, that we wouldn't hold back, that you would help us remember our calling, what you've called us to and how you've created us. We are each created uniquely and you have an awesome purpose plan for each of us. Lord, we just pray that you'd shine the light in dark corners that need to be exposed, that guilt and shame wouldn't hold us back, that we wouldn't walk out of here thinking defeated but we would think overpowered. We would think, I am a child of God. You're a child of the King. If you've never given your life to Christ too, I wanna to give you that opportunity to pray. Um, so again, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll count to three and I'll just raise your hand so I know to pray with you, okay? Um, one, two, three. Okay, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. Just pray this prayer in your heart. Dear God, I know that I'm not worthy. I know that I fall short. I know that sin is what we're born into and it's your son's sacrifice that covers that sin. I acknowledge Jesus as your son and I know that I need him as my savior, God. I just invite him into my heart. I invite him in to cover the sin, to restore peace, and to encourage me. Lord, it's in your name we pray.